Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode number 81. doing happy weekend well it's only 1 p.m eastern standard time on friday right now so it's not quite the weekend for most of you i myself given the fact that i'm on day 277 of a quarantine whoa, i should probably roll back that audio a little bit uh i did not use all my vacation time this year so i decided that I'm just going to take every Friday off for the rest of the year as well as a nice long vacation over the holidays. Still have, will have not have used up all my vacation time, but you know, there's something very comforting of knowing that I don't have to work another five day week for the rest of the month or the rest of the year. I worked one last week and it was really unpleasant. I do not recommend it. Uh, <laughs> In my life, there aren't a lot of people around me that have full-time jobs. <laughs> so, my sister does, but she's in Alaska. And so, you know, my wife, she works eh, probably 30 hours right now these days. She's got a lot of work these days. Over the summer, it was 50, 60, 70 hours. But, oh, you know, on average, she probably works 25, 30 hours a week. I don't know where I'm going with this. Uh, anyway, hi. Greetings from Chatham County. Uh... We're going to do this podcast in a slightly different order. I've kind of like been leaning towards this over the last few episodes because the media consumption has been so long this year and it felt really like sort of weird to talk about some of the stuff in the world and then do a bunch of media consumption and then I'd get to the end and then I'd have to supposedly rush through work and all that. And that was never very fun. So I'm moving all the topics in the podcast up to the beginning before the media comes in consumption part and then i'll plow through the media consumption so you know if you don't really care about media if you're not into listening to lots of weird new bands or watching television shows or whatnot you can just skip that part so that's how we're going to kind of do it i got this new uh what do they call these things uh gyroscope hand exercising balls where you, it's a ball within a ball, a gyroscope and a ball, and you spin it. And then, you know, it's kind of like a hardcore fidget toy, but also gives you hand exercise. Uh, I kind of got it on a whim. I didn't really think about it. It was on a gift guide that I got, and I thought maybe it would help my left hand and my messed up finger, but it doesn't really do that. It's more about wrist strength. I thought it was going to be finger strength. But it's kind of fun. Um, it's hard to get started. There's two ways you can start it. You can use a string and sort of spin it like a top to get it started. Or, and supposedly, you can also do it without the string by just spinning it really fast. But I haven't been able to do that. And it's really making me very frustrated that I can't pull it off. <laughs> so I, I will put that down. I will put that down. I've never been much of a fidget spinner, fidget toy kind of guy. But um, I do need to do more hand exercises. So I thought that would help. But turns out it didn't. Uh, yeah, Chatham County, a lovely day, sunny, warm. Uh, it's in the 60s this week. We did have some snow last weekend. It's been very cold for North Carolina standards into the low 20s at night, into the high 30s in the daytime. Um, almost all my plants are done outside. Uh, the broccoli's still out there, and it's plowing through the radishes, the Brussels sprouts, the lettuces. I got some winter stuff going on. Not a lot of each of them. And then, weirdly, this mint plant that just won't die. 
but uh the rest of the the rest of the gardening is moved indoors i got a little herb garden in my studio here it's kind of nice it's on a, a little table in the window um two of them are doing great the chives and the parsley i i i to get the rosemary and the oregano going in there i hacked <laughs> apart a much larger rosemary and oregano plant and took like a subset of the roots and chopped off all of the the, the part of the plant above ground and stuffed it into a smaller pot and watered it and fertilized it and i did that with the uh the chives and the parsley and they were great but i the the oregano and the rosemary don't seem to be bouncing back so i may have i may have killed those i've never been very good with indoor herbs but i'm gonna do it this year the the garden in the garage is going great though i got my my pepper plants and four different kinds of basil and some i got a new mint growing in there so that's exciting i should bring the mint down here actually put it on the uh the herb garden tray yeah, gardening's going great, man. Uh, the broccoli, it's, it's looking really good out there. It's kind of crazy. And um, the garage got a little cold. It never got below 40, but it got close. And that's kind of the cutoff for basil is 40. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I might get a, I got a little space eater. What I would love is if I could have the space eater on a, some sort of sensor that was only on when we were overproducing on solar so that I didn't waste money on the heat because it really defies a purpose. Uh, and, uh, but I can't do that. So I might just do it manually. I don't really know. It, it came, I got it yesterday or two, two Wednesday two days ago at Walmart, just a cheap little one, but, uh, it's warm enough. I don't need it right now. So I guess we'll worry about that in a week or so. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, you know, we're, we're surviving. It's pretty rough. I'm not going to lie. Uh, not for us. I mean, you know, we're doing okay. Uh, I've definitely been feeling it a little bit more. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I had some hard days this last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, amongst my daily habits, I write 750 words in a journal to myself. And every day in the beginning of that, I do a track, a bunch of statistics, a bunch of work stuff, you know, like how much money we made, what the bank balance is, et cetera. But also like a bunch of coronavirus statistics. I write them down every day. How many cases and deaths in the world and then in the United States, how many cases in my hometown, how many cases in my county here, how many cases in the state of North Carolina, how many deaths in America. And it's, it's hard, man. It's, it's really really out of control and uh it's you know like my mom is feeling it she's like cooped up and wants to come visit her granddaughter and she can't and you know that's that's rough and like she's lonely i mean she's got friends you know she's doing okay but that's hard grandparents have it hard i feel bad for them you know all this stuff takes its emotional toll i'm not gonna lie but uh we got our kitties they help uh we still have three, one that we didn't adopt and the two that we've adopted. They've got names now. Their, their names are Roy and Keely from uh, Ted Lasso, but also uh, her name used to be Callie, so it's kind of close. She's a Calico. But also they have long names. They have full names that are uh, sort of con 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 continuations of our old cat, Mrs. Fanny Bottoms' name. Uh, Keely is uh, Dr. McKeely Bottoms. <laughs> And Roy, I think we're still going on. He's Lieutenant Royce. I think he might just be Lieutenant Roy Bottoms, but I feel like there needs to be one more syllable in there. And also he's a lieutenant because he's English. But uh, Roy is getting huge and he's only six months old, not even. And he's like a full size cat. And now I'm like kind of freaking out that I may have adopted a panther. <laughs> I mean, he's so big. 
Kiki's gonna be so big. Keely's kind of like a normal sized cat, so that's good. And then Teeny, the third one, uh, we put out a notice in the neighborhood. Somebody in the neighborhood may adopt it. That would be really cool. But, uh, you know, he's smaller, so he seems more like a reasonable normal sized cat. We'd love to adopt three, but we're we're keeping room for a floofy one. Someday we want a floofy cat, maybe in another couple years. Fanny was floofy. These cats aren't floofy, and we are big floofy cat fans. We kind of fell for these cats anyway, even though they're not floofy. But, you know, you can only have so many cats in a house, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can have more. Maybe it's time we just went into crazy cat lady phase. Is crazy cat lady gendered? I don't think it should be gendered. Uh, yeah. And then let's see. So my finger's a mess. My neck's a mess. My allergies are a mess. I ran out of allergy drops like right before Thanksgiving. And I called the doctor's office and they're like, we can't make any more until December 4th. And I was like, oh, that's like eight, nine days, 10 days without drops. You know, like these things take like a year to kick in. I had to take these drops for a year before they started working. And, uh, but apparently 10 days isn't long enough to go and not be on the drops for it to wear off. So they're like, they're like, but it's getting close. So if ideally you could come in and pick them up versus what they usually mail them. And I was like, all right. So last Friday, December 4th, a week ago today, I left the house. I left the neighborhood for the first time in God knows how long. Uh, I've left the neighborhood two or three times. Well, I, you know, I mean, I went into Chapel Hill. Like, I've left the neighborhood. I had to go to the hardware store in Pittsburgh. That's different because it's out further into the boonies, going into Chapel Hill, like going into civilization. I did that a couple times on drives in, like, July. And I picked up some pizza takeout in, like, June. Yeah, but I haven't been into Chapel Hill in, like, four or five months. <laughs> So into it, I went. I went to Meadowmont. I went and got to the drops place, and and then there's an elevator, and you can't take the stairs. And I was like, oh, that's fine. It's only two floors. There's no one here. And I press the button. I'm waiting. And then just as soon as the elevator opens, this delivery worker comes in with food, and they're masked, and I'm masked, and I'm like, I don't want to get in this elevator with this person. But I want to be practiced with this, right? Like I was talking to my friend Flood, who lives in a new, in Manhattan in an elevator building. She's like, oh, I just don't do it, and I'm not embarrassed about it anymore. But I I, I panicked. I'm so bad, you know, <laughs> judgmental about other people's coronavirus safety habits. And the first chance I get, I like with it, you know, <laughs> I got in the elevator with this person, but I like stood in the corner and faced away from them. And I held my breath the whole time. <laughs> it was only two floors. And then when I was leaving, I was like, are there stairs? And they're like, there are stairs, but you can get the stairs up. You can only take them down. So I took the stairs out. But anyway, that was my big trip for the week. I went to Meadowmont and got more allergy drops. <laughs> and then, yeah, my finger's bumming me out. It's been bad. Uh, I've been doing these exercises. I've been wearing a little splint, but it's not really helping. I, I'm going to need to go to the doctor for it. But... I'm really just hoping I can grin and bear it for like six, seven more months until I've taken the vaccine and everybody else has. I figure I'm last in line on the vaccine. And uh, then I'll like worry about the finger because my friends do not give finger surgery glowing reviews and it's totally a bummer. And then on the diet, uh, I made it through the ha. Well, not I won't say the holidays plural. I made it through Thanksgiving without gaining any weight. Uh, but then I made more bagels, and I've been eating a bagel sandwich for breakfast every day this week because <laughs> Jane was so into the bagels, she wanted more bagels. And so now I'm up like three pounds, uh, four pounds. And so I, I'm, no more bagels. <laughs> Get through the holidays, and then back on the diet in the new year. Hardcore. That's the goal. 2021 diet. 
try and lose a bunch of weight before I have to go out into the world and show myself, right? Like, there's going to be that moment. We're all going to have this moment. All our friends we haven't seen in a year at least, you know, and once we finally see them, we're going to be looking at them and we're going to be judging how the pandemic aged them. And, uh, you know, I want to look good when I see my friends again after all this time. So I'm going to have to go on a diet and I'm going to be hardcore about it starting in January. And you guys can hold me to it. That'll be that'll be good. Who doesn't want a bunch of podcast listeners holding them to it on their diet, right? So another sort of reorganization of the podcast thing I did is I took all this different little projects I've been doing. I kind of just cheated because I rambled into the gardening section, but uh, that was supposed to go in this section. Uh, I took all the little different projects I'm doing and I put them into this project section because I've been too hard on myself, right? Like, uh, you know, I don't know. Like, what is a project to you? What is a project to me? Like, uh, I get a lot done and I, I, I produce, (laughs) but the inner artist that is yearning to be a successful, productive artist often protests and says that I'm not doing enough. You know what I mean? And, but if I'm an artist, I don't really have a medium. So once I put all this stuff together, I'm like, this is a legitimate amount of stuff I've been getting done, you know? And I don't know, maybe some of it's like manifestations of my own neuroses, like my photo sorting and stuff like that. And the way I listen to new music, but still it just felt better to have it all be in this product project section. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, the Andy book, as you know, we finished, we sent it out to everyone that happened right before the last podcast, but what's been happening in this week has been really great is everybody's been reading it. Everybody's been texting, you know, and and we're all talking about Andy again, which is really nice. But like people are thanking me for getting it done. And it it actually feels now like it was a project and I did get something done and I feel really good about it. And I think it's a really like it's a really nice work to honor Andy and I feel really good about it. And so just all the comments on it this week were infinitely rewarding. I was feeling last week, really, I was feeling really down. And, uh, get people texting being like, this is so amazing. It makes me feel like I can be with them. And you guys are great. You did the, uh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah that, was, that was nice. My ego needed that. That was like, just, you know, some kind words for some friends on a thing you got done. That felt really good. And I've been working on these time lapses. I think I've told you about this. Like I'm trying, I'm trying every day, but I fail like half the time I'm trying to shoot the perfect time lapse of the sunrise over our pond through the trees. Right. And I'm getting there, but it's actually very hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to get the right angle and the place that it'd be to get the perfect angle I want is really low to the ground outside. So I can't do it when it's raining and I've ruined like, you know, the iPhone's waterproof. It's my old iPhone 11 pro. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but the, the USB cables aren't waterproof. The outlet is in a waterproof area and it's a GFI outlet and the extension cord is all waterproof, but the USB brick and the USB cable are not. So I've ruined like two of them on rainy days. Now I can't use hyperlapse or the Apple built in time lapse because they don't let you control it and do it for hours and they don't have a delayed start, right? Like I have to start this thing at like five thirty or six in the morning, every morning. And I'm not up yet before sunrise usually on Wednesdays I am. So that's like a whole thing. You can't use any program that doesn't do that. So I'm using this one called Skyflow and it's pretty good. And it'll let you like do a lot, has a lot of settings that are pretty useful and I'll shoot in 4k, but I can't shoot in 4k and do a pan. Right. So the best time lapses of nature have a slow pan to them. Uh, I got a pretty good one without a pan, but it's just sort of it's a little boring. A very subtle slow pan really makes a time lapse better is one of the things I'm learning. 
So I have a 4K camera on that phone, but if you shoot 4K, you can't pan. iPhones don't pan. So like I, you know, you can make it pan by shooting in 4K and then reducing down to HD 1080p and then panning. So I've been doing that. And, uh, you know, like you can also do uh, high dynamic range. Oh, I really need to get my compressor working again. Let's just, uh, we'll just turn the knob on the, on the fly here. There we go. <laughs> So you can do high dynamic range. That's better. And uh, all these things. So I've got that all going and it's pretty good. And then I have a lens flare. So I needed to get a hood for the lens and I got the wrong kind first. I got like a monitor hood instead of a lens hood. So I just ordered that. So that's coming and I had to get a better clamp because the tripod doesn't work. I need a clamp to get it perfectly positioned. And I did that. I've probably, I've shot about 50 of these now. And you know, that probably means I've been doing it over about 90 days. I've been working on this and you know, the seasons have been changing and there aren't as many leaves now and it's just it's just been a nightmare but it is really interesting to learning all this and then i bought like a dji pocket i don't know if you know about this it's a little small handheld hd camera i bought the new one in the pocket too it shoots in hd or in 4k and it pans because it's got a gimbaled head which is pretty cool it, it's pretty it's not that expensive um but it doesn't have a timer on it. So I bought that and I was like, this is, I can't use it for the one thing I wanted to use it for. I kind of might think, I'm thinking I might sell it on eBay. I don't know, but it's also kind of useful to have it just a little 4k second camera. If you ever need it, uh, I'm going to, I want to walk on our trails and shoot with it and some stuff, but I haven't got around to doing any of that yet. But so I couldn't use that one for it. So my dream is to have a 4k panning shot, but I can't really do that. And the new phone, even my 12, not that I would leave that outside doesn't shoot any higher in 4k. I don't think so. You know, I don't know. I'm getting there. I'm getting close. The lens hood will be here tomorrow. I'm doing one tonight. And then I mess up. If I don't, if I don't if I leave the phone in airplane mode, like, you know, the notifications will mess it up last night. Like the phone tried to update the iOS and I didn't get my shot. And it was a beautiful sunrise this morning. It's a real bummer. <laughs> but you know, so this project is kind of interesting and I have a couple that are really close to perfect that are like emotionally movingly good. Right. Because the, just the, the way the light dapples through this, the beautiful yellow leaves on the trees and the slow pan. And even without setting it to music, you're, you're feeling something, you know, but, uh, why am I doing this? It's, it's a project. I guess it's art. It is art by, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, but I don't know. I don't know what's compelling me to do it, but I really want to get it right. <laughs> and I'm just kind of working on it. And, you know, it takes time every day because, like, once I'm done, I have to take the phone, go get the phone outside, bring it inside, take it out of airplane mode, export the thing to, like, you know, on the phone, out of the app, and then airplay the thing over to the computer and look at it, then archive it on the QNAP. It's a process, you know. But... Uh, I will get there. I will get the perfect one. I posted one on YouTube that was close to good. It's not the best one. I've done better ones since. Um, and I put it on my Vimeo too. So, uh, you know, I guess if you really wanted to find those, you could, you could track those down. And then the other thing I did is like, I've been, uh, I reorganized the workbench and you know, this is kind of like, that wise old friend of mine that said when you're having a uh, music musical writer's blog to reorganize your studio, which I desperately want to do. We'll get to that in a moment, but it's same as sort of DIY projects. And so I've been reorganizing the workbench and the workspaces in the garage. 
I bumped the mic there, so I'm starting over in the garage. I, I moved the cars out of the garage, and I I redid the gardening area, and then I redid the workbench, and I resurfaced. I told you about that. We got we, Emma had put a big pegboard up years ago, but it just it got all gotten disorganized. So last weekend, I spent eight hours and I reorganized the entire pegboard and got everything there. And there was like you know all this junk. I got some of those drawer organizers for all the little junk. I got some shelves for the top of the pegboard. We had a toolbox still that had a couple tools in it, even though. Like the pegboard had most of the tools. I got those out, found a place for everything. Uh, you know, we have the new power tools because I had given the old ones to my friends and we settled on a single battery system and it's all kind of there. And it's really helped actually. Like I've done these little small projects since then. And I'm like, oh, I need to get this. I need a sander. I need this. And it's all there. And it's just like the bench is clean. Emma has a terrible habit of leaving stuff on benches and all surfaces. If I don't clean them off, she'll just pile stuff on them forever. And so I don't really nag her about it. I don't bug her about it. I just fix them when it bothers me. And so the workbench now I just sort of clean up and I use it and it's great. And it makes me really, really happy. And, uh, the chest freezer came, which is very exciting. And so we did a whole that, you know, that's to the right of the workbench, right by the door from the house to the garage. And it's also where we used to keep the recycling. And so we had to put a shelf in. So we're reorganizing that whole thing and putting like these shelves there. We got, we mounted one on the wall, one of these hundred pound, you know, heavy duty shelves. And we're going to put a few more to get more like organizational space. And it's just, it's in really good shape. The chest freezer is awesome. I have like great FIFO stacks going on with all my frozen food now, except for now I'm eating all the old chicken from the freezer. It's not a year old. It's all technically good, but I just baked some and it's like, mm, this isn't as good as fresh chicken. But I will get through what's in there in two or three weeks. I'll just grin and bear it and eat this sort of almost freezer burnt chicken for a few weeks. But then the system will be good and I won't have wasted anything. And there'll be like four backups to it, which will go like a month because sometimes we run out of chicken for a month. We did during the thing, you know, and uh, during the beginning of the pandemic, there was no chicken in the around here for like two or three weeks. And then chicken that's only three or four weeks old in the freezer and then thought won't be that bad. So it'll be fine after that. And I've got all my Thai chili peppers that I grew all winter or all summer. And I counted the number of, of weeks of peppers I have. And I put them all in order by date and I put them in the basket at the top of the freezer and I have enough Thai chili peppers to get through the winter. And it's very exciting. I'm so proud of myself. And I have three plants growing in the garage that should start producing in like three or four weeks. So I should be good on peppers and basil. I feel very good about that. That's like two projects that came to like a fruition, you know? And, um, and then there's the studio, which is coming. That's, that's like the whole thing now, right? Like that stupid new audio interface hasn't showed up yet. And I have big plans for it because I'm going to rewire the whole studio and I can get everything inputs and I can get rid of this keyboard sub mixer I have, and I can, everything will have its own input. And I've been watching all these like YouTube videos by this guy. He's like the rig doctor from vertex electronics. And he like basically makes pedal boards. Right. And he talks about how to make your pedals sound good and the wiring and all that. And I have a lot of guitar pedals. I have three pedal boards and I'm working on a fourth, uh, one for my guitar. That was sort of my original rig for rockets, person, street lamps, my old band. I got like a train, uh, a train of pedals underneath the Farfisa and a train of pedals underneath the roads. And I've got this new plan when the focus right uh, audio interface comes in, I've been watching more YouTube videos on how to do analog offboard effects with your logic audio, digital audio workstation files, right? So I write my music and I record it into logic on my Mac 
using this audio interface. I used to use the universal Apollo, but now I got this new focus, right? Because the Apollo doesn't play well with big Sur, and I'm sick of this and focus rate keeps up with Apple. And it's a very controversial decision. I think we've talked about this anyway. So I've been watching all these videos where like you can send a channel from your mixer out from your, from, from logic, from your DAW out of that, out of the focus, right. And then through an analog effects chain, and then back in, so you can use analog effects in in Logic. Uh, the reason this exists is for like those hoi polloi, really rich sort of high end studio producers that use like really really nice vocal preamps and for warmth and stuff. I can't hear because I have shit like hearing for this stuff. I don't have a good like nice effects ear. I can't hear a good preamp. I'm just it's, I just can't tell. But what I'm going to use it for is I bought all those like cheap ass Amazon basics guitar pedals for like 20 bucks each. And I've got spare guitar pedals lying around. I got like, uh, you know, I got like a second extra deluxe memory man. And I have, um, like a, a tremolo pedal that Pete Kember, AKA Sonic boom from spaceman three put out a limited edition. And I got a couple death by audio pedals just sitting around and I got Steve Albini's favorite guitar pedal distortion. And I, I'm going to put them all in like a chain as a pedal board attached to my DAW, basically. And I have a whole vision for it. Like, you know those red trays that like cafeteria trays that you would use in college at the cafeteria? I wanna get one of those and make that like a little mini pedal board. And I wanna wheel it, I wanna put it, find some sort of wheel dolly that would fit under the table. So like when I wanted to do this, I would pull it out, I would, you know, set the line out on that, that channel in the DAW and then I could just play the pedals and record into a new track. Anyway, that's my vision. And I think that like, it'll be really interesting and I really want to do this over the holidays if I can, but 11 days ago, Sweetwater told me this thing would be in next week and it wasn't. And so I don't really know where it is. And so it's really bumming me out. I missed one vacation of rewiring and I'm worried I'm going to miss the holidays too. And that's going to be a serious bummer. So we will see. We will see, but I really want to start writing music again. And that's kind of like that combined with, I've been reading, uh, the, uh, what's his name? Jeff Tweedy from Wilco wrote a book. It's called how to write one song or one perfect song. I think one song, I can't remember. And uh, I've been reading that and it's sort of like a, the artist's way for songwriting and it gives some practical tips and some like emotional and spiritual tips. And it's a great book. It's a very simple read. I'm almost done. Uh, and you know how I am with books these days. So I'm trying to like synchronize all of this so I can like have it all ready to go to make some music. I've been writing lyrics again. I don't know. I, I want to get into that. That's my goal. I tell you that all the time. Maybe you take pleasure in seeing that other people who do manage to create a lot also can't get things done. They want to get done. <laughs> but I really, I really, it's, I want to get back on that. I really do. And then before that, I got all my year end updates. Uh, I've got a big list of things to do. We've talked about it. I got the photos sorted for my camera roll. All like 8,000 of them. They're all in their proper folders now. So that's done. I'm working on the folder on my desktop. Nice little pro hack. Just put a folder on your desktop called sort me. And then once a year, just sort it. Uh, it had about 700 files in that folder when I started and I'm down to about 200. It's a little bit more slow going than camera roll because it's not all photos. It's a lot of Excel spreadsheets, PDFs, work stuff, uh, screenshots that are all just labeled screenshot, you know, and so it's taken a little time, but I think I can finish that in the next day or two. And I got one more folder to sort, which is the downloads folder. It's about 300 files. Shouldn't be too bad. And then I'm going to work on getting my journal and the Facebook posts into book form. Uh, you know, I guess technically I wrote two books this year, right? Every year I write a book. I write about 700 pages of journal, 
but this year I've also written this Facebook sort of public plague journal, uh, which I am going to print and I'm going to sell for a suggested donation to any of the readers that want to keep a copy just to remember the year by, I'll probably sell about 12 copies, but whatever, it'll be a publication and it'll be done. So yeah, those are the projects that are being worked on right now. Um, I feel pretty good about them. Like the rest of the year in test should be pretty easy. The other thing I realize is like every year of the holidays and you know, long time listeners would know this because I talked about this last year, but every year of the holidays for me, I always get about 10 days off, 10 to 12 days off. And I go to the movies every single day. Um, some years I go, even go on Christmas day. (laughs) Some years I don't, but every other day. And I try and see every movie that's out into January, like all the Oscar contenders, everything I missed. And I try and see them all. And so this year I realized just the other day, actually, I was like, Oh God, I won't get to do that this year. I mean, obviously I've known for quite some time. I wasn't going to be able to go to the movies for 12 days straight. Um, yeah, unless I wanted to spend, you know, I think it's like 150 bucks to rent a theater to buy yourself these days, but I don't want to do that. That would be pretty excessive. Uh, so I'm going to try and watch a movie day anyway at home. It'll be harder because of Jane and stuff like, you know, uh, when I go to what used to go to the theater, Emma would kind of like basically wake up at 1130. I'd hand Jane to her and then just run off. We, I would skip lunch with everyone. And, but now, you know, I'm not gonna do that when I'm at home. I'm going to like, do mornings with Jane and then lunch and then I'll get some time to watch a movie. But that means I'm doing almost nothing else. So I don't know. It's a bit of a dilemma. I'm trying to figure it all out. But my goal is to watch a movie every day. Some of those I suspect Emma will want to watch with me and I'll watch with her. So we shall see. But yeah, you know, I haven't seen Mank yet. I haven't seen Tenet yet. I want to see that Sofia Coppola, Bill Murray film. Uh, if there's any other new films you think are really great, let me know. Cause I'm going to try and watch like 12 or 13 of them. And Lord knows I have not been doing that lately. Yeah. Work has been going pretty well. Uh, I got to do this panel for CES on Monday with uh, one of our consultants, Media Link. It's sort of this networking media company we work with. And uh, they have a very big presence at CES CES every year. And in a way, I'm psyched because they were going to make me go to CES. And I really hate going to CES. I'm not a fan of uh, that anymore. (laughs) But... um, but you know, since it's not in person, I can do this panel. So I guess that's good. But I also have to do this panel on Monday. So it's like with CMO snap and a couple other people. So that's the thing I haven't really thought about much. I'm going to have to work on that, but you know, it's other than that, it's going well, a lot of just finished (laughs) renewing the insurance. It's very expensive. A lot of increases, especially tech and, you know, and director's insurance. I don't know. My broker said it was all pandemic related. I don't really know why tech insurance would be more 20% more expensive because of the pandemic, but I guess it is. We'll see. Uh, and then, you know, stuff in the industry, a big one would be that the FTC and 22 states attorneys general are suing Facebook for antitrust and arguing for its breakup. That is going to be an epic battle for the century. I have been reading the FTC, uh, the, the legal complaint. I'm about halfway done. I read a bunch of it last night and I find it very interesting. It's sort of three main pillars of it are the Instagram purchase, the WhatsApp purchase, and generally their API policies their platform policies, how other applications connect with it. And it's really interesting because like, you know, the, a lot of people are saying the FTC approved the WhatsApp and, and uh, Instagram purchase. So why they can, you know, they can't no take backs. Right. But of course the 22 States attorneys general did not approve that. And so that's a thing. And also information has come to light since apparently from, 
from what they say in the complaint, but it's interesting because they also reference a lot of other companies and a lot of other attempts that failed, right? Like they mentioned snap, they tried to buy snap. They mentioned Twitter. They tried to buy Twitter and they failed on those Foursquare. uh, Zuck mentions in a quote and, uh, same with path, which I thought was pretty funny. And, uh, they don't mention Tumblr, which is interesting because they tried to buy Tumblr and they don't mention anything about my company, which, you know, for obvious reasons they may, but they don't. And, uh, but it's interesting using Instagram. I think they chose Instagram because it succeeded very clearly in dominating the photo space and there's good documentation through emails and stuff, but they talk a lot about how like Facebook was having trouble in mobile. And, and I think that's going to be a hard case for them there because Facebook, one thing I will give Facebook immense credit for is how rapidly and successfully they pivoted to mobile. I don't know if you can remember at the time, but it was a hundred percent. It was mostly a desktop app and now we all use it basically in mobile and they got, they made that transition very fast and they did a much better job than Google did. And uh, they don't get enough credit for it, but I'm sure they have a treasure trove of testimony and evidence showing how much effort they put into that. So that'll be a pretty strong argument in their favor. Uh, I find it weird they don't mention FriendFeed. That is a definite one. And Gowalla, there's another one. They don't mention Oculus, which is another one. Uh, but I'm not done, so maybe they do mention these things later on in it. We'll find out. But it's going to be a battle. It's going to be it's going to be crazy. And then speaking of battles, the other big event, well, one of the other big events is that Salesforce is buying Slack. And that makes me sad. I mean, I own Salesforce stock, actually. So I guess that's good. Uh, and I, I do like Slack. Um I certainly want Slack to win instead of Microsoft Teams, but Microsoft Teams has really dominated Slack since they, they, they started paying attention. So, you know, that's kind of sad. I mean, I, I, I liked Slack as an independent company and it, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's a win. People are going to make a bunch of money. I like their Slack are indisputably, indisputably good people. And, uh, it's nice to see good people get some money, but I can't help but feel a twinge of sadness at the end of Slack as an independent company. And, uh, then we got the Airbnb IPO coming up. Uh, (laughs) my mind kind of boggles on that one, but I guess it's happening and I guess people are excited about it. So I haven't actually read, Oh, and the, uh, I haven't actually read the prospectus. I should read that one of these days. So, uh, you know, I, maybe I won't comment until I read it. I don't even know. I did really look at their financials. Didn't I? Oh no, that was Roblox. I looked at Roblox financials, man. That company makes a lot of revenue, still losing money, but boy, what a lot of revenue. Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, yeah, I have a politics and current events section, but we already talked about the coronavirus and I don't think I want to talk about Trump or Amy Coney bear, Amy COVID bashes, uh, piling on, on the Supreme court decision around being able to regulate the size of religious gatherings during a pandemic. That was just insane. (laughs) Yeah, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, yeah, Jane's doing okay. Uh, she is sort of learning right now and focusing on the abstract concepts of times of day and days like morning and evening and today and tomorrow and yesterday and weekend and weekday and not the days of the week. I tried to like get on that. She was just not having it. She didn't care about that. But every morning now she wakes up and she says, mommy turns off the tree at night and daddy and Jane turn on the tree in the morning. And I say good morning in the morning and, and, uh, you know, because that's what happens. The Christmas tree's up and Emma turns it off at night. Cause she's the last to bed and Jane and I turn it on together in the morning. Cause I save 
that task until she's with me because it's fun. And uh, yeah, so she gets that morning and night. And she gets that we do bedtime. We taking turns at bedtime. So she's trying to understand taking turns. She she knows sharing and she knows taking turns in other contexts. But like, I'm trying to like get her to understand like mommy always does nap time and that's in the afternoon. And then mommy and daddy take turns with bedtime and that's in the evening. So that those are the concepts she's kind of working on right now. <laughs> and then I had this sort of like realization the other day, uh, next door there was like, Hey, Woods Charter is doing enrollment for, you know, like the lottery Woods Charter is one of the best charter schools in the country and it's free and it's just up the road. So, you know, I, we have made no major decisions about Jane's education, but I, other than I will put her in the lottery because I like optionality if she can get into one of the best schools in the country. Right. I mean, it's totally random, so might as well try. But, uh, I started doing a little research and I realized Jane is going to be one of the older kids in her kindergarten and I can't actually send her to kindergarten for three more years. <laughs> Which just seems, I don't know, man. Uh, I wrote on Facebook that when I figured that out, I was really upset. And everybody's like, don't be. And first off, everybody's got an opinion about when they went into kindergarten, if they were on the young side or the old side, and whether it was good or bad, you could make a four square quadrant, young, old, good, bad. And all of those people have opinions about it in both ways. And there's no statistical, like more <laughs> popular opinion there. There are people that went early that hated it. People that went early that loved it. People that went late that hated it and loved it. Same with their kids. And it's just like, all have strong opinions about it. And it's not really like, uh, that's not really what made me sad. And in some ways it made me sad because I was just like, Oh my God, I gotta do this for three more years. But I know that that's not rationally true. If there's no pandemic right now, she'd probably be in preschool already. You know what I mean? And I have friends that do send their kids to preschool right now. And that is certainly a possibility. Uh, and then like, you know, we're also leaning towards doing homeschooling. So like it would be irrelevant. And I think what it made me realize is like, she's already learning. I don't know. I don't think she's like a little baby genius or anything like that. Like I have friends that talk about their kids that are three years old and they actually sound like they're far more advanced than Jane. And it's kind of a mystery and it's really weird. <laughs> Maybe they're all just learning different stuff. I don't know. But uh, I, I just think that like where she's at now in three years, she'll be pretty far beyond what like a kindergarten does, especially since Janet, you know, former school teacher watches her every day for a couple hours and teaches her and she can read and write a little bit. And, you know, she's getting there. I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed a little weird. And it was not what I had in my head. I thought we had two more years. And it's three and somehow that just upset me. Maybe it wasn't logical, but it, it really did. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. So that's that. Uh, and then the other weird thing is right now she gets very upset when you correct her. Like, you know, if she says a word wrong, she'll just scream bloody murder. Sometimes she can get it under control really quick. Cause you know, she's learning how to control her emotions, but other times just minor corrections on stuff. Like, no, that's not an N that's it. That's an M. She just screams and loses it. And you have to like, you know, go to the timeout and everything. I'm just like, man, and then she comes back and just does it right. Like she always fixes it. She hears your correction and she f learns it and, and does it right the next time. But like, and it's not a big thing. And when she fails at physical tasks, right? Like to put a ball in a box or something, she doesn't care. She doesn't get upset. She just goes, try again. And she does it. Like we did a really good job. I understand. Try again is not a big deal. It's okay to fail and it's okay to try again. But with correcting her on reading, like written word stuff, she just gets, Oh, she gets mad. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's intense. Other than that, though, she's doing great. She's really quite a pleasure these days. I really like hanging out with her. I like honestly, most nights I'm looking forward to bedtime now, and I like our mornings together. And we're uh, yeah, it's good. She's good. She's good. All right. Yeah. See, that worked. Forty minutes without the media. Whew. Yeah. What a crazy world. Uh, Plex, we added a bunch of movies. I actually don't know anything about the vast majority of these movies. Uh, Le Pont du Nord from 1982 French film. My friend Og asked me to put it up there, so there it is. As well as the 1973 film The Hourglass Sanitarium, which I believe is Polish. I don't know anything about either one of those films. I might watch them just to learn because Aga has good taste in things, so we will find out. Uh, I put up Coal Miner's Daughter, the, the Loretta Lynn story with Sissy Spacek because Rachel Maddow mentioned it, and I loved that film when I was a kid, and I want to rewatch it, so that's up there. And then I put up Ode to Billy Joel. I'm sorry, Ode to Billy Joe, the 1976 film inspired by the song Ode to Billy Joe by Bobby Gentry because I've been completely obsessed with Bobby Gentry lately. And I saw that film when I was a kid. And I loved that song when I was a kid and I never really put it all together and I have put it all together and I've been obsessing about Bobby Gentry and how she's still alive and she lives like <laughs> in a McMansion, not unlike mine in a neighborhood, not unlike mine also in the South. And she's probably about 80 and she's a total recluse and I'm here for it. I think it's great. Uh, I bought her biography. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to read it after this Jeff Tweedy book. But yeah, just obsessive with Bobby Gentry lately. Uh, Hysterical Blindness from 2002. My friend Heather said that was a really good movie, so I put that up there. But that's all I got up there since the last time we talked. And Netflix has been being really, really slow. It's pretty frustrating. I mean, you know, it is $7 a month for two DVDs, so I guess I shouldn't really complain. But I just feel like they could ship them faster. I go days and days and days without one, like... What the heck, you know? Uh, actually, let's look right now. What is the next one that is coming? Oh, I can't look. I turned off my browser because Facebook would beep while I'm doing my podcast. Anyway, uh, Discogs. Sold a bunch of stuff on Discogs this week. I sold an Astral Works comp called I Hear Voices. I don't know anything about it. It was fully sealed. It belonged to my friend Tikva, so I sold that for a couple bucks. I sold the CD promo single, two-track promo from Electra of the Afghan Wigs, What Jail Is Like, which I, upon ripping it, realized the... I thought it was the full version in an edit, but it's the full version in an alternate version of What Jail Is Like that isn't available elsewhere. So that actually turned out to be pretty exciting. I'm, I'm glad I sold that. Sold the original CD single, a three-inch CD single in a slimline case of Depeche Mode's Dreaming of Me uh, for 20 bucks. Those early Depeche Mode singles, they go for good money, so that was good. I sold the Galaxy 500 4th of July CD single. I own that 12-inch already, so all good there. I own the What Jail is like 12-inch as well, so that was fine. Uh, I don't really care about the Depeche Mode Dreaming of Me single. That's fine. My favorite Depeche Mode song, though, probably. Uh, I accidentally bought two copies of the Andy Bell solo album, so I sold one of them on Discogs. Uh, kind of messed up. I I didn't notice. Like I, I listed it under the wrong version. It was the blue vinyl version. The only entry for blue vinyl on Discogs was a blue vinyl signed version. They didn't actually have an entry for blue vinyl non-signed, so I, I misfiled it. I sold it. The guy complained. I had to refund him, but he kept it anyway, so we worked it out. That was cool. Uh I sold Alberto Hinastera. <laughs> so, he is a composer. Uh, 
I think he's Argentinian and I used to have to play him when I played piano. There was one of his songs called tribute to Roberto Garcia Maria and Creole dance, two of his piano pieces I played and was pretty good at when I was actually a good piano player. And I have a CD of Barbara Nisman doing his piano works, including those two. I have owned it since I was a kid because, you know, I learned that song and those pieces in like 1988 or something, but somebody just bought it. That was cool. So <laughs> good, good for them. Uh, now they own it. Uh, I sold Dolly's picture, a chameleon CD, uh, kind of, I think BBC tracks. Yeah, that was cool. And that worked out. It was total coincidence from my big other, my other sale of a chameleon CD and my buying two chameleons albums and all that, that happened over the last couple podcasts. Totally coincidentally, I then sold yet another chameleon CD. So that was kind of exciting. And then this one hurt. I sold the net and Bonnie soundtrack by the Tinder sticks and it is impossible to get that on vinyl. And it's, it's very sad. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. That bums me out. Uh, new vinyl. Uh, in addition to the Andy bell, I got, uh, my reissue of PJ Harvey's rid of me came in on vinyl, which is awesome. I did not own that on vinyl and I really wanted it and it sounds awesome. And it's a fantastic record and I love it to death. Uh, the 10th anniversary of the hold steady's heaven is whenever came in with, uh, additional LP. It's on beautiful red vinyl and it comes with an extra, uh, album of bonus material. And a t-shirt, which is really why I bought it, because I wanted a Heaven Is Whenever t-shirt, because Heaven Is Whenever is my favorite Hold Steady album. So, that's awesome. Uh, the B-side's pretty good, or the bonus tracks are pretty good, and um, the album is just fantastic, of course. Yeah, made me really happy. Yeah. Heaven Is Whenever. It's a great record, man. Uh, and then I got a copy of Nick Cave's Idiot Prayer. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of like off of Nick Cave a little bit for a couple reasons. Like, number one, uh, I think he's just like his... He's got a problem with with political correctness, and it bothers me. And, you know, I read the Red Right Hand Files, and at the beginning they were really good. And nowadays I'm like, yeah, I don't like these anymore. It's like he stopped bothering to be kind in them or something. He was talking about... Um, I don't remember what it was. Oh yeah. Uh, the fairy tale of New York, the song and the BBC playing the version that doesn't use the F word in it. And he wrote like this super disingenuous sentence about like, I hear some people, mostly young people don't like that word. And I'm just like, yeah, dude, nobody liked it then either. It's always been problematic. <laughs> and you know, also he's got a song that uses that word that is on idiot prayer. Papa won't leave you Henry. And he just didn't even address it. You know, he just acted all put out, even though they're not censoring it. They're just like not playing it during the daytime. And it's a version that Shane McGowan made. Like he did it. Like if it exists, they, it's up to, they want to play that version instead. And he made it. Uh, it was just really like simplistic and disingenuous and like, it just made me mad. And on top of that, when Idiot Prayer came out, he was all like, this is a one day only thing. Spend like one million dollars to buy a ticket to watch this live. And I didn't do it because I was annoyed because like, why should I have to watch it live? It's just a video. You know what I mean? It wasn't even doing it live, right? It was just like a live airing of a thing you recorded earlier. It was just such a like a, I mean, you know. I want to support artists during the pandemic, but Nick Cave's got enough money. And the whole way he did that just bummed me out. If he was like, Hey, we made a movie of me playing live. It's 20 bucks. I would just would have bought it. And then of course he kept insisting in all the literature that it was one time only one time only, but now of course you can buy it on vinyl and you can buy a video of it. So like he just lied and I'm just like, at least acknowledge that you corrected and changed your mind and decided to do it right. If you had done that, then I would have respected you. Like, Hey, you know, we feel bad about that and we're going to put it out for everyone now, but no, it was just like calculated to rip people off as much as money as they have, even though you have millions of dollars. So that like, it just bothered me. <clears throat> Anyway, 
uh, I got three pieces of vinyl for my friend Tom. So my friend Tom Phillip, he used to work at the Barbarian Group. Uh, he moved out west and he started a record label called Circle into Square. They're really awesome. He's got a bunch of bands. And he tweeted the other day on Bandcamp uh, Friday that he has a new band himself. I have a bunch of his old band stuff, or I think that band's still going, but he has a new band. And he was like, this is my new shoegaze sludge band. And I'm like, well, yeah, dude, any friend of mine that's making shoegaze sludge music is an insta buy, especially if it's on vinyl. So I bought that immediately and he shipped fast. I bought like three physical records on Bandcamp Friday last week and this one's already here. So props to you, Tom. And then he I threw in a couple records for me on top of that. Two bands I don't really know anything about. I haven't listened to yet. It just arrived today. USF is one of the bands. The album's called The Spray and another EP called Coho Lips. I think Coho is the band name and Lips is the EP name. I'm not really sure. So I'm going to listen to those. I'll give you a report on them next week. But Tom, Tom's awesome and Circle in the Square is a great label. And I, I just... Really happy for him that he's doing that. I really miss my old Arch Enemy label things, even though officially we're still putting out releases, but you know, I don't have a lot to do with it anymore. Other than maintaining the website and the catalog. Anyway, so those are the vinyls that came in this week. I got two CDs in the mail, or since the last podcast, this period, this this time interregnum. Uh I you may recall I was been obsessed with this Michigan Drone Rock album uh, compilation that came out on Third Man Records, uh Moons of Saturn, it's called and one of the bands on there was this band Asha Vida that I used to love seeing live. And so I was looking it up and Asha Vida actually has two CDs and a bunch of singles. I owned the singles, but I didn't have these two CDs and they're on Discogs for like a buck or two each. So I bought them both. Only one has arrived so far and it was called a one of one. And I listened to it the other day and it's fantastic. Uh, and I ripped it and now it's back on for sale at Discogs because it wasn't available anywhere on the internet without buying a CD. And I also bought a, uh, uh, Pale Saints. It's a band of 4AD that I used to really like. They did uh, they had a single called Blue Flower. There's a cover of the Mazzy Star song, Blue Flower. Superstar in your own private movie. I wanted just a minor part. But I'm no fool. I know you're cruel. I never really wanted your heart. Anyway, um, the thing about it is it's from this period where all the CD promo singles on 4AD had the same case. And I just really love this case. So I bought this even though it's like one track and I already have Blue Flower. <laughs> but it was like a buck from the same seller as the Ashavita CD. So I was like, I just want to own that. So now I do. And here's all the albums I listened to this week. Uh, Syrup USA, Shauna Carmody, uh, Boston musician. I used to be sort of casual friends with her. She was very, very nice. We got along great, but we didn't really know each other that well. Um, she used to be in the Swirlies for the first couple albums. And then later on, she reunited back into the Swirlies. But she had a solo band or a band that she was fronting called Syrup USA. And I bought the vinyl of that. And it was called All Over This Land, and it's fantastic. And then I also learned that Shauna Carmody had a solo album called Struts and Shocks. What a great name, by the way. Uh, so I listened to that. That's on Spotify. And so I didn't even know about it, and I listened to that. And so it was really awesome. This friend of mine from like 25 years ago, I'm just like listening to all her music. Kind of caught up now. I mean, I would play with Syrup. I think we played together a couple times, and I definitely saw them like a million times. But I didn't ever listen to their music on recorded format. So... Nice to finally get that out of the way. <laughs> uh, the War on Drugs had a new live album called Live Drugs. I like the War on Drugs. They also, apparently I knew them at some point in Boston. I have no recollection of them, but my friends tell me that we are hanging out in the same circles. No idea, but they're great. And I like Live Drugs a lot. It was good. Uh, made me happy. Uh, Loma, 
don't shy away. I don't remember what that sounds like at all. <laughs> I remember liking it. It's good, but I don't remember what it sounds like. I, uh, right now I'm working through all these again, giving them second listens. <laughs> I try to make notes on this list when I listen to stuff, but I, I forget sometimes. Uh, Phoebe Bridgers has yet another new EP called if we make it through December, it's a Christmas EP. My friend, why Mike told me about it. It's great. Apparently that song is a cover. I didn't know that, but it's very, it's a pretty nice Christmas EP made me really happy. I like quiet, sad Christmas music. So yeah, right up my alley. Uh, I bought an unwound box set. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> unwound is a great post rock math rock band from the nineties. And I saw them live a couple times and they blew me away and I love them a ton. And they have like seven albums and, uh, the numero group, which is a reissue label of some renown has reissued all the unwound stuff years ago. And I didn't realize at the time uh, that it's actually four box sets, right? So I, I saw an unwound box set in the store like six years, seven, eight years ago in, in New York. <laughs> and I bought it. And I was like, cool, unwound has a box set. I thought it was like a box set of all their albums. But no, there's actually four box sets. And uh, I bought the fourth one. And so sometime in the last five years, I, when I was cataloging everything, I kind of figured this out and I marked the other three box sets into my want list on Discogs and I kind of forgot about it. And I was like, someday I'll own them all. Uh, but when I was buying another record, that Syrup USA record, uh, whenever I buy a record on Discogs, if it says has excellent four items on your want list, I look and you know, I see if there's anything on my want list that I want, because a lot of the stuff on my want list is just like, you know, not rare and kind of expensive current reissues of albums. Like, Oh, I don't own a good copy of the good Sun by Nick cave, but it's easily obtainable, but it's 30 bucks. So, you know, most of the time when I click on the four items from your want list, it's stuff like that. I could get it at any time, but if there's a deal or something rare or something really cheap, that's why I got that pale saint CD single. Uh, I'll pick it up. And so these guys had that unwound box set for a good cheap price. And so I bought it and I listened to it. It's uh, has, you know, three albums on it. Challenge for a civilized society, leaves turn inside you and empire, which not are three albums of theirs. I didn't own before, you know, I have like new plastic ideals and one other one. Uh, and, but you know, I mean, I saw them live a lot and all this. So anyway, I listened to all three of those albums and, and, it was awesome and I love Unwound and now I want the other two box sets really badly even though this has been like a six year slow motion thing all of a sudden I'm like I have to have them I'm going to hold out because this whole exercise of discovering an Unwound box set and buying it and listening to it a bunch was really fun and I'd like to have that pleasant surprise one or two more times in my life through the years so I'm just going to leave it be again and hopefully sometime in the next year or two another good deal and one of the other two remaining box sets will come up <laughs> Uh, and they also had, that's the next one here is they also had a very, very cheap copy in good shape of test departments, terra firma test department, English industrial band from the Thatcher era through to now, but terra firma is one of their early albums, which means, uh, industrial heavy kind of sounds like Einstein's and Neubauten with a very sort of labor populist socialist bent with bagpipes. <laughs> And it's awesome. And I, I've always loved that record, but like, I, I never listened to it. I mean, I don't think I've listened to it in 20 years and I never owned it. So that made me really, really happy. Test department, terra firma, uh, the new tobacco, um, tobacco is a guy that was in black moth, super rainbow. We used to see them all the time at the all tomorrow's parties festivals. They're really, really great. And, uh, it's on ghostly records. My friend Sam's label. 
and uh, the new album's called Wet, Hot, and Sassy, and it's very weird, and I'm super into it, and it's creepy, and there's one song with Trent Reznor, and it's just a good time, or a weird time, a squishy time. Ooh, sorry, I was trying to cross my legs. I'm trying to get all cozy here without bumping the mic or the table. There we go. Yeah, so that was really, really good. Uh, I listened to that Asha Vida record, which is really awesome, kind of space rock, Michigan drone, recommended. Uh, thank you. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. So then Luke O'Neill, old friend of mine from Boston writer publishes a newsletter, really great hell world, strong recommend He mostly about politics and things like that these days, but he's a big music fan and he used to be in bands and he put out his year end of year music and you know, I would say 25, 30% of it overlapped with mine, but Luke's always been much more into the punk emo thing than me, but I like that stuff and he's got good taste. So I went through, you know, put out like 50 singles and I just went through and I added one, each one song from each band and the ones I liked, I listened to the albums some more. And so a bunch of these were from Luke. So thank you, Luke. Thank you. I'm sorry. It was a band I discovered with from him. I listened to two albums. There's it's like a kind of jangly girl rock with good titles and a little like punky. I listened to, I'm glad we're friends in the Malta house. Both great records remind me of the tsunamis a little bit or the regrets. Uh, good band. The Front Bottoms, listen to two albums. They're like a pop-punk emo thing. Uh, Talent of the Hawk and In Sickness and In Flames. I don't know anything about the modern-day emo. For all I know, these bands are like hugely famous people that are into emo. No idea, but I like them a lot. House of Harm, I think I've listened to them a little bit before. It's like some awesome dark wave. And the album is called Vicious Pastimes. That was great. Really dark synth-pop. Good stuff. Made me happy. Right up my alley. Right up Emma's alley. She's going to love that album. I'm glad it's you. Uh, every sun, every moon, another emoish punk thing. That was really good. Uh, listen to Idiot's Prayer, the Nick Cave album. Ringo Death Star, which is a noise shoegaze band from Austin, Texas, has a new live album called The Levitation Ses- Sessions. Levitation is that psych fest. They run psych fest and you know a bunch of uh, psych, psych rock festivals. And they are doing, during the pandemic, they're doing live sessions by different people. So Ringo Death Star did one of those. Uh, and then another discovery, I think this was from Andy Pixel out in Seattle, but uh, Annie Hamilton, I don't know anything about her. She has one EP called the Annie Hamilton EP, and then she redid that EP called the Annie Hamilton EP Reimagined. <laughs> uh, and that's the only thing of hers on Spotify, but it's just fantastic. It makes me so happy. It's amazing singer-songwriter, but shoegaze. Uh, the songs are great. Uh, the production is great. The rocking is great. The guitar sounds are great. It's just so good. I don't know anything about her. Maybe she's in another band before or something. I don't know. She doesn't seem to have a whole album. I haven't researched yet, but Annie Hamilton is awesome. She's made me really, really happy the last two weeks. Beach Bunny, Honeymoon. That was a great record, but I don't remember anything about it. Molly Tuttle, but I'd rather be with you. Oh, yeah, that was like a really moody sort of singer-songwriter lady thing, and it was awesome. Molly Tuttle. Uh, Young Jesus, uh, Welcome to Conceptual Beach is the album. They kind of remind me a little bit of like Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah meets Yaysayer. Uh, you know, I got them from Luke, so I, I think there is a little bit of an emo strain in it, but they're, they, they're definitely a little bit more moody, maybe like an elbow or yeah, something like that. But they're cool. I really liked them a lot. Young Jesus. Uh, Boneflower, uh, the album's called Armor. That's kind of like an emo metal thing. Lots of like good metal screams, and yeah, that made me happy. I was into that album, Boneflower. Uh, then Young Marble Giants re-released uh, Colossal Youth for its 40th anniversary. And, you know, I've really tried to like Young Marble Giants every decade or so since I was 18. My friend Harper really liked them when we were kids. Kids. We were like 19 or 20 or whatever. <laughs> 
but uh, and I, I think I even saw them once at ATP. But it's good. I like it. And, you know, uh, I like the weird experimental stuff on the bonus disc of the 40th anniversary edition more than the album. Uh, and then I feel like a loser because my favorite song on there is Credit in the Straight World, which I like because Hole covered it back in the day. <laughs> but I gave that a, another listen, Young Marvel Giants. Uh, Jarek Bischoff. Oh, yeah, this is hilarious. A friend of mine sent me this. His name is Jarek Bischoff because I was asking for Christmas music and it's called Chestnuts Roasting on an Open Fire Walk With Me. And it is an album of five songs, five or so songs, Christmas songs, Christmas standards done in the style of Angelo Badalamenti's Twin Peaks music. So <laughs> it's really well done. I, I, like when I first was paying attention at the beginning, I was like, oh, you know, how the reverbs seem to fit. They feel a little cold, a little tinny. But then like 10 minutes later, I was working, listening to it. And I'm like, why is Angelo Badalamenti doing it? And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, props. Pretty well done. Uh, there's a new Freeze Pop EP. Freeze Pop, of course, is my friend's band out on our record label, the Arch Enemy Record Company. It is Arch 055, the new single. It is called Memory Disappears. It is a maxi single. It has about six remixes and three or four brand new songs. And my God, I always forget to turn something off the beeps. I have Do Not Disturb on. You'd think that would work, but no. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the new Freeze Pop EP, they did, there's a video to go with it. And on the premiere of the video, they did a video Q and A and invited me to join them. So I could talk about the old days and their videos and whatnot. Cause I produced and directed three, I think of their videos or worked on. I, one, I directed, uh, conceived and produced, uh, one, uh, Sean shot and I edited it with him. And then another one, uh, I produced and had the barbarian group make it. And Mike Rubenstein and Phil Stockman directed and created the video. So, you know, and then I shot a bunch of the early album covers and I was ran their label for, you know, now Jesse mainly does the work, but Anyway, you know, and then like Casson showed up, who used to be in the band, the Duke of Candied Apples, and now in a band called Symbian Project. And uh, it was just really fun, you know, like I've never done a live Q&A. We all Zoomed and then our friend, our friend Nick, uh, Gordon Merrick, moderated and we took the questions from the people that had done the Patreon and then questions straight from the YouTube. And it was, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. It was really fun. And the single was really fun. And, uh, yeah, made me happy. Uh, this is a English woman who is a singer songwriter. And, uh, she's apparently kind of like a big thing there, but like the name, her name, I will never, it's going to be too hard. It's, it's a stretch for me to keep talking about Bay uh, the album's called Fake It Flowers, though, and I really, really liked it. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like an MXM tune kind of thing. Uh, it was solid. And then, of course, this morning, first thing when I woke up, I listened to the new Taylor Swift, Evermore. <laughs> Literally, my alarm went off at 7.20. I reached over, turned the alarm off, put on my headphones, and <laughs> looked up the album and hit play. <laughs> I've only given it one listen so far. I'm a little bitter because my copy of Folklore on vinyl has not come in yet. And so I ordered the new one on vinyl today. I don't expect to have that thing till like May of next year. Uh, but yeah, it's good. Uh, you know, I like... When I listen to folklore, I really like it. And it's been growing on me, and I watched the Long Pongs. Uh, yeah, I can talk about this now. Over the last two weeks, I watched the Disney Plus special, the Long Pond Sessions, where the, her and Jack Antonoff and Aaron Dressner from the National perform the album live in Aaron Dressner's studio. Uh, chief, most notable f 
because it is where she confirms the rumors that William Bowery is in fact her boyfriend and it's a pseudonym. But for me, it's most notable because it is basically a straight up direct ripoff of the last two Bruce Springsteen movies. And you know, I love the, the Bruce Springsteen movies and I love Barn Studios. <laughs> I'm just obsessed with the whole thing, man. She should do her next album at the Bruce Springsteen studio. Anyway, uh, when I, when Folklore first came out, I was like, oh yeah, all these songs are a little samey. It's great. I'm glad she's doing this. I like the national blah, 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 but they're a little samey. But this time, now that I'm used to that, you know, she's like, it's a con- continuation of Folklore. We just kept going. I was like, expected them all to be a little bit samey. And, and I'm actually surprised at the diversity of the songs. There's like one that's kind of like almost a straight up country rocker. There's one that fits very well on my W Hotel Lobby in a Better Universe playlist series. So yeah, so far one listen pretty into Evermore by Taylor Swift. Uh, TV, I finished The Leftovers. I watched it by myself over the last few weeks. Uh, satisfied with the ending. I was getting a little dubious about that show, but that might be the best wrap-up of a series I've ever seen. They really did a good job. Very well done. Uh, Emma and I watched watched and finished The Queen's Gambit, and I, I gotta tell you, by the end, I like at the climax, I was like, if they fucking mess with me and this doesn't have a happy ending, I'm going to murder people. I think one of the reasons people love that show so much is because it's very good, but it has a happy ending and we need happy endings in our life right now. And so anyway, very well done. Enjoyed it. Somebody told me it was like uh, like Amelie like, and so I got a little worried because I don't like the cloying art production of things like Amelie, even though I'm very into horror vacuity. Uh, but it, I didn't find it Amelie-esque. Uh, I found its treatment of substance abuse not fully realistic, but I didn't mind. It was a good time. It made me happy. It cheered me up. Uh, we finished the Great British Baking Show, and uh, I won't spoil who won, but it was the person we wanted in the end. I mean, I really wanted Lottie to win, the death metal fan, the super hot woman who's also a fan of death metal. I mean, come on. How could I not want her to win? But she didn't make it. But this guy, the guy that won, he was our second choice. And it made me very, very, very happy. Uh, of course, we're still watching The Mandalorian. Last week's episode was one of the greatest episodes of television for me personally in my life. Uh, you know, I'm not judging it on its quality. <laughs> the fight scenes were probably a little too long. They cleverly saved a little bit of money by having Baby Yoda sit there and meditate and do nothing the whole episode. But all that are just quibbles. What they did plot-wise made me so happy. I'm so excited. I got the new one for tonight, and I just can't wait. I'm just, I love that show so much. Big Disney announcement yesterday, last night, about all the new stuff. And there is a lot coming in the Star Wars universe, and I, I, I have mixed feelings. I think that they were too hard on Solo, and Solo is commonly referred to as the film that broke, you know, the, uh, Disney's original approach to the Star Wars reboot. Uh, they... You know, it wasn't as bad as they made it out to be, but they are trying again. So I guess that's good. And they are clearly trying again, primarily in television. And I think that's probably wise. I think Star Wars works better in TV these days. And I think that this answers a lot of our questions about all these people we heard that had been associate attached to Star Wars movies like uh, D.B. Weiss and Benioff. Uh, the Game of Thrones people were attached at one point. They're not doing one. And uh, um uh, the big mystery is Ryan Johnson was supposedly attached, but he might still be doing films because they only really talked about TV shows, except Patty Jenkins is doing a movie. That's the only movie that was announced, but they announced a Lando show and a Soka show. Uh, just a lot. 
a show about Cass and Andor from Rogue One, a, show, a cartoon about the Bad Batch, which is a Star Wars Rebel spinoff that I'm not going to watch. And then on top of you know, same thing with Marvel, ton of new Marvel stuff too. But uh, the WandaVision trailer looked really good. The Falcon Winter Soldier trailer did not look particularly good. But I think by and large, it's probably smart of them to like put all this shit on Disney Plus and just make a TV shows and you can go as deep as you want. And there will occasionally be a tentpole movie and, uh, but you know, I'm more into the immersive stuff. The Mandalorian is by far the best star Wars thing since like, I don't know, empire maybe. Uh, so yeah, I guess give this TV thing a shot, right? Why not? Uh, and then we watched all of Dr. Who's last season. And when I finished Queens Gambit and we're like, all right, what do we watch together? And then we realized we hadn't watched this whole season of Dr. Who and it was on HBO go. So we watched that. I really like uh, Jodie Whittaker as the doctor. I think she's fantastic, but I didn't like the writing too much. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was talking about this with a friend on Facebook. Like, I really love Stephen Moffat when he first came out, but then I thought he was kind of cloying and went on too long, and it was too overly smart, and I just kind of wanted some nice, dumb Doctor Who. I didn't have to think about it anymore, but now I've got dumb Doctor Who, and all I do is think about how dumb these people are and how dumb these plots are, and it's really frustrating, and I don't know why I do it. Uh, but then in the end, the way they wrapped up the whole season, the season mythology part arc story arc that spanned the season was good. The monsters of the week, quote unquote, were bad, but you know, I, we, it was fun. I would like, if right now I was sitting here thinking, oh, I got to watch another doctor who tonight. I'd be like, okay, that's cool. Like it was fine, but I don't know. We don't know what we're going to watch next. <laughs> oh yeah. We watched the Lego star Wars holiday special. <laughs> I was really hoping it was the original Star Wars holiday special redone faithfully in Legos. It is not. It is Lego Star Wars having a holiday special. Uh, but it does involve Kashyyyk, the Wookiee planet. It does involve Life Day. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it's got some parallels to the original Star Wars holiday special. It does not have an animated Boba Fett riding a dragon on a lava planet, which is a real shame. But... <laughs> It does not have Ben Vereen. Wait, was it Ben Vereen? I can't remember the weird guest stars. But, uh, eh, you know, it's fine. And then uh, I have started uh, this show called Little Birds, which is very unlike me, but it is a Sky TV English show adaptation of the short stories of Anna Nin. And uh, I am a giant Anna Nin fan, not particularly of her writing, but of her life and her journals. Uh, but you know, close enough that I was like, all right, I, I was paying attention because I have an Anais in Google alert. Uh, and I downloaded it a long time ago and I was like, I don't know, this isn't really up my alley and it's not a faithful, I mean, it could not be a faithful t- retelling of the short stories cause they are very disjointed. So they had to write the sort of frame structure around it and like influenced by the stories, et cetera, et cetera. And I wasn't really into it, but when we were watching Ted Lasso, I was like, I thought Keely was really just very good. I thought all of them were very good, but I was looking at everybody's individual IMDb pages and Keely is played by Juno Temple and Juno Temple is the, one of the stars of this little bird show. And it's only eight episodes and they're a half hour. And I finished the leftovers and I think I'm going to start watching movies as I told you. So I was like, ah, these are short. I will watch one of these. So I watched the first one last night and it was fine. Um, th- it was 44 minutes long through the first 30. I was like, yeah, I'm not watching it anymore. This is dumb. And then the last 15 minutes, I was like, all right, well, I guess it's moderately interesting. And then I was reading reviews and that's what a lot of people said. And they're also like, also, you can just watch it in a day or two. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, you know, if I want to identify as an Anna Eason incompletist, I guess I got to watch this dumb show. Right. So I'm going to watch it. 
I am going to watch it. Uh, and that is about it. The only other thing is I finally finished my friend Tim Wang's book, The Subprime Attention Crisis. Very good book. I don't fully agree with its thesis, but it is a wonderful sort of look into the digital advertising ecosystem. And why a lot of it is a house of cards, which I do not disagree with. I think that is 100% true. I just think that there is a component of it that is not a house of cards. But anyway, it's a good book. I finished that, and then I started on the Jeff Tweedy book, which I mentioned to you. So I am still reading at a glacial pace, and I will probably finish 15 books tops this year. But... At least I'm, I finished one. <laughs> just got to work your way through it, man. You just got to work your way through it. And then other than that, it's been my YouTube videos. A lot of Adam Savage with his one day builds and tool tips and things like that. Just sort of learning some basics of like tools and workshops. You know, I took a bunch of shop classes when I was a kid and my dad taught me this stuff, but it's been a long time. So, uh, you know, I enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> I've, I watch that rig doctor pedal guy about pedal boards. I watch, um, uh, a lot of people restoring French chateaus. Uh, there's a weird one. I was watching this woman building a mansion. I think her husband's paying for it. A little unclear. Building this mansion in in South Florida. It's kind of a modernist mansion. It's called This Modern Mansion. I, I added it because... Oh, yeah, right. Because uh, a couple months ago, I watched this car guy who restores fancy cars. His name is Sam Crack. And he mentioned that she was his mother-in-law. And he pimped her channel. And I was like, oh, this looks kind of interesting. It's like my alley home renovation. And then last week, all of a sudden instead of just doing the shows, she's now doing the shows in bikinis and it's real weird and it's making me uncomfortable. So I'll probably stop watching that. But, uh, what else do I watch? Oh, Arturia. I watch a lot of uh, Sweetwater, a lot of music stuff, uh, recycling. I watch a lot of recycling. <laughs> I subscribe to the YouTube channels of a lot of recycling ma machinery manufacturers and demos on like can recycling machines and things like that, that are really, really awesome. Uh, my Civ guys haven't been streaming this week. I subscribed to two, Potato McWhiskey and The Game Mechanic, and neither one has streamed since Thanksgiving, so I really miss them, and I wish they would come back. But yeah, my YouTube, it makes, it's like nice. It's, it's, it's passive and you're watching stuff, but it's educational. Jane learns a lot. Like I, I watch a lot of dudes that pour concrete and work in stucco. That's actually, that's how I found the this modern mansion woman. That's right. Uh, Cause stucco videos, my friend, Catherine and Marfa was like, this stucco guy is oddly compelling. And he was, and then I watch a lot of these Texas barn dominion people that lay concrete with like heating elements in the concrete and plumbing and ICF. This woman, Belinda Carr, she's an architect. She talks a lot about ICF. Uh, ICF is like injection formed concrete, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, stuff like that. Uh, I'm going to do some plumbing videos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I watch about two hours of, eh, no, yeah. Hour and a half to two hours of this stuff every day when I'm either watching Jane or uh, to unwind right after dinner when Emma's watching Jane. And it takes up most of my viewing time, but it, it feels educational, you know, like, uh, yeah, I don't, I try not to watch too much dumb stuff. I, I try to watch illuminating stuff, but who knows? Maybe I'm failing. That might be the longest web Chatham report ever. And I just did the math and it'll be 14 days from now is Christmas. So I don't think I'll be doing this on Christmas day, but I will do one right after or before Christmas. So, uh, have a happy holiday. Uh, take care, be safe. This is going to be a dark winter for the virus. So let's all be careful out there and I'll talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Take care.